Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for a new day, a new day that you have given to us by your grace. A day that we get to enjoy. A day like today, we get to gather together as your people to worship you, to sing songs of praise and adoration to our great God. To come, as we have done, to confess our sins before you and to know that wonderful forgiveness that we have because of Jesus Christ. And we thank you right now for your word to us. We thank you that it is true, that it is good. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to hear you speak. Please, may we be humble before your word. May you open our eyes to see more of the Lord Jesus this morning. Encourage us and inspire us, Lord. Challenge us and change us to be more like Jesus. We pray that you'd remove all distractions, all things that may get in the way of us today. And please help me. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit, that I may speak your words boldly and clearly. We pray these things for your glory. Amen. Amen. Have you ever got up in the morning, left home, gone about your daily routine, and you didn't pray? You woke up, you had your physical strength from breakfast, but you forgot to ask God for spiritual strength. Have you hit a problem, found a certain difficulty in your life, and you only turned to prayer as a last resort? You first tried everything else. Have you faced a particular situation in life, and prayer just didn't even enter your mind as something that you should do? It seemed, well, I don't need to pray for this. It's quite simple. It's trivial. Asking for God's help seems a bit strange. Have you thought that Actually, life is so busy, there are so many things to do, there's just not enough time to pray. Actually, praying would slow me down and might even be a waste of time. Or have you ever had a conversation with somebody and they have opened up to you and they've shared something about their life, and on leaving you say, friend, I will pray for you. We never do, or we rarely do. I know for me, I can answer yes to all of those far too often, and I guess many of us in this room can do too. We have just grown accustomed in our Christian lives to living them, to going about the things that we do in our own strength, in our own effort. We don't often pray. We seek to ask God for his help. I wonder whether that's a particular problem for the West. We live in a culture and a society where everything we have is there, ready at hand. Often we forget that those very things have come from God, and so we forget to thank him for them, and we forget to ask for his provision for those things. We have relative wealth compared to most of the world. We're in general good health. We have freedoms, as Christians, relative freedoms from persecution and freedoms to proclaim the gospel. So, so do we need to pray? It seems that we can get by quite well without doing it. Maybe you believe that. Maybe you live like that, like I do too often. When it comes to living Christian lives, to spirituality, to church ministry, to evangelism, to being a witness to your friends at work, when it comes to fighting sin and overcoming it, to living in the midst of spiritual struggles that we have, 
often we try and tackle those things and overcome those things in our own strength more than trusting in God. God helps us. God, by his grace, provides for us even when we don't pray. But I wonder, I wonder that if we did pray, what would happen? Would we see? Do we miss out on a greater power of God at work to change circumstances even more? To see people's lives changed even more? To see people saved even more? Churches do a lot of good things. MRC, Modern Road Church, does a lot of good things. And the Lord blesses them. But any church, any church that does a lot of stuff but doesn't pray is in danger. It's in danger of pride, thinking that we are good and we can do it ourselves. In danger of works religion. Or we're in danger, if we don't pray, of just heading off in our own direction and missing the way that God has for us. This morning and this evening, we're going to be spending some time thinking about vision, the vision of Morden Road Church. When we think about vision, we often talk about what we're going to do. This is the vision. This is the plan. This is where we're going to go. This is what God wants us to do. He's calling us to these things in our mission in East Oxford, in Oxford, and in the world. And we rightly inspire one another, and we encourage one another. We share of all that God has done, and we, we get excited because God has called us to be a part of his big plan. And we focus on the what. And that's good. But I want us this morning to think about the how. How do we fulfill vision? Many of us will know the what of Modern Road Church. The vision, you have it here every Sunday morning. Love, reach, build, send to love God, to build one another up, to reach the world with Christ and to send one another out with the gospel. <coughs> to do all these things as we delight in God and display his glory. And we can praise God that he has helped us to fulfill these things. As we go on, we can see in this last year he's helped us to plant a church, Cowley Church Community. Our ongoing vision to expand our church premises is still happening. But today I want us to think about the how of the vision. What are the resources that we use to fulfill the vision? And of course, if you haven't guessed it yet, we're going to think about prayer. If you're visiting Morden Road Church this morning, then great welcome it's good to see you if you're new as well it's good to to have you with us now this is not just a sermon for modern road church but hopefully there are things that are applicable to all of us as we live our christian lives if you are new to oxford and you're looking at churches you're trying to find somewhere where you can settle them then please do grab one of our welcome packs you'll find them on the, the back of the, of the room and they'll tell you who we are what we do the vision of the church and please come and introduce yourself as well. But prayer, prayer is the number one resource that Christians should go to, should use for everything in our Christian lives. God wants us to pray. He's blessed us and given us the wonderful gift of prayer. And this morning I want us to think about the fact that we need it. We need prayer. 
This was the main lesson that these poor disciples learnt on our passage we've just read this morning. They face a situation, a test of who are they going to trust to overcome the particular circumstances they faced. And the first thing they learn is that they can't live, they can't do it in their own strength. They can't serve God in their own strength. Chapter 9 of Mark's Gospel is at the, pretty much the middle of the Gospel. The first part of the, the Gospel we learn about who is Jesus, who is this man that's come. And Mark reveals us his teachings and his healings and his delivering of demons. And we see who this man is. And in chapter 8, just before, now we have the confession of the disciples. Jesus, who are you? You are the Messiah. You are the promised one of God who's come to rescue your people. That is who Jesus is. And now from chapter 9 onwards, we learn about what it means to follow Jesus. But we also need what it means for Jesus to be here. What did he come for? We also learn what it means to follow Jesus. Just glance back at the beginning of chapter 9. We've got this wonderful episode of Jesus with three of the disciples. They've gone up to the mountain and there Jesus has been transfigured. He's bright and glorious before them. And he's chatting with Moses and Elijah. And a voice comes from heaven that says, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. And so as we think in the rest of Mark's gospel, what has Jesus come to do? And what does it mean for us to follow Jesus? We should listen to him. And so this episode we have before us this morning is this first lesson of what it means. And the lesson is that we need Jesus. Let's read again together from, verses, from verse 14. When they came to the other disciples, this is Jesus and the three, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Jesus had been up a mountain. He wasn't around to deal with this situation. A situation, of course, that's not new to Jesus. We've already encountered him in Mark's gospel, delivering people from demons. It's something that he has done already. And that's probably why the man brought his son to Jesus. He believed he was a man who can, who can deliver people from demons. I want him to do the same for my son. But Jesus isn't there. And so the task to do this falls to the disciples. The disciples? Well, it's not as if they are new to delivering spirits either. If you flick back to chapter 6, we see Jesus sends out the 12 disciples to preach the gospel, to heal, and to cast out demons. He gives them authority over evil spirits. And Mark tells us that they go and they preach, and, and in verse 13 he says, they drove out many demons 
and they anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So, seems okay. The disciples have had experience. They've had success in delivering people from demons. So this shouldn't be a problem. It's just another demon that needs to be told where to go. All they have to do is say the command in Jesus' name. But as we see here, there is this commotion going on in the crowd. They're arguing with the religious leaders about something that the demon is still there. He is not going anywhere. So what's the problem? Was this demon too powerful for God to cast out? Did the disciples not have enough authority? Had they used the wrong words or something? Well, we find out at the very end of the passage, look down to verse 28. The disciples don't understand. And they say to Jesus, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, this kind come out only by prayer. It seems that their problem is that they had failed to pray. They had failed to ask God for his help, for his power. It failed to come in his name with his authority to cast out the demon. And so the demon, he wasn't worried about some simple, wimpy disciples. Friends, when we are faced with problems, with opposition, when we're faced simply with the task of living out the Christian life, of growing in maturity, of doing ministry, it's so easy for us as well as the disciples, to rely on our own efforts, our own power, our own authority, our own skills, our own experience to do the things God has called us to do. And we forget about prayer. Maybe you prepare a Bible study or you prepare a sermon and you either spend no time or just very little time in prayer. We all fight to resist the temptation to sin, but we do it in our own efforts, and we find that we fall into sin. And then we realize we didn't pray. Or we work really hard to put on a, a good evangelistic event, and we invite our friends, and we really want them to, to come to know Jesus, and we plan and prepare really well, but we forget to pray. The temptation for me over the summer in preparing the holiday club that we had here a few weeks ago was to rely on, on gimmicks, cool staging, fun songs, sunny weather. So easy to think that those are the things that are going to change the children's lives. How foolish. What we needed was the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work in the lives of the children, to use the words that we proclaim but for him to do the work to change lives. Who do we think we are? That we can think that we can do God's work in our own efforts. Seems to be a lesson I keep needing to learn because back in February I used an example of when I was preaching from Habakkuk in an evening service. And there I was struggling to know how to preach this passage. The text and the application and the, it was just difficult for me. But God challenged me and he said, Andy, you haven't prayed. And so when I did give him time, when I did ask for his help, he helped me. 
one of the biggest dangers that can be for churches, that can be for modern road, is that we can get a buy, a buy pretty okay by ourselves. We preach the Bible. There are mature Christians in the church. We know the gospel. We live good lives. We tick the box of evangelism by doing Christianity Explored and live nativity, which are all good things, but in all of those, how much are we relying on God? How much do we really pray for them? Do they just happen? As we face a new academic year of Modern Road Church, as you live your lives continually day by day, are you overcoming your battle with sin? Are you trusting in your own skills, in past experience to do ministry? Are you frustrated that your witness to your colleague just isn't working? Are you struggling to cope with the day-to-day troubles that life throws at you? Are you feeling a bit cold spiritually? Might it be that we don't pray? So the first lesson that these disciples learned, and we learned too, is that we need to pray. We need God's help because we cannot do these things in our own strength. We need to pray. We also need to pray because we face a daily spiritual battle. We pray because we face daily spiritual battles. All of our lives, as we live as Christians, as we do church ministry, as we do evangelism, all of these things ultimately are spiritual. And they face spiritual opposition. These disciples in our passage, they, were, they weren't asked to fix a fishing net. They were not asked to lift a cart that had fallen over. They were being asked to cast out a demon. Now that's not to say we don't pray for fishing nets and fallen over carts. We should pray for all things. But I'm saying that as we live, as we serve in the church... Whether that is putting out the chairs, serving coffee, teaching in junior church, or sharing the gospel, whether it's fighting temptation, whether it's living with spiritual oppression, all of these things are spiritual, and they have spiritual opposition. Let's have a look at how this plays out in our passage. Look at this boy who is possessed by an evil spirit. The man, he brought him to Jesus. He claims that this son is possessed by a spirit and the spirit has robbed the boy of his speech. He describes his seizures and his fits and how he's thrown to the ground. You may know that some people in the world and even in the church say that this boy is not possessed by a spirit. He just has symptoms of epilepsy or something like that. Well, if you know anybody who does have epilepsy, then you'll know that some of the symptoms are similar But I think there are a few reasons that show us that this is more than epilepsy. First of all, the boy, he can't speak. As far as I know, that's not a common symptom of someone who has epilepsy. It's a permanent condition. This boy has been robbed of his speech. Jesus himself calls him a, a deaf and a mute spirit. Secondly, look at the circumstances in which he has his seizures, his fits seems to be whenever there is life-threatening danger near that, this, that the demon does his work. 
Water, let's drown him. Fire, let's burn him. You can imagine the boy's father and those who are near him that are constantly looking out for the danger of when will this next happen, trying to protect him from this demon's attacks. But I think ultimately the the reason that we know this is an evil spirit is because of his reaction to the sight of Jesus. Take a look at verse 20. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Evil spirits, powerful. You can't deny that. And this poor boy had been possessed since he was a young child. His parents were unable to do anything about it. Jesus' disciples were unable to cast it out. And it requires a greater power to defeat this opposition. Because that's what it is. It is opposition. It's interesting when you read the Gospels, and particularly at that time, there was a lot of evil activity, spiritual possession going on. It's no coincidence as Jesus is on earth, as he's proclaiming his message, Satan doesn't like it, and he wants to do all he can to stop it. He wants to hinder Jesus' mission. He wants to distract him from his purpose He also wants to put fear and doubt into the lives of those who are around, those who are listening to Jesus. And even today, Satan doesn't like the church. He doesn't like Jesus' ongoing mission. And so whenever we step out to conduct spiritual business, whether it's on a Sunday morning or whether it is in the canteen, on a Monday lunchtime, or whether it is at home behind closed doors, Satan is on the attack. He wants to hinder your spiritual growth. He wants to stop the progress of the gospel. He wants to stop the church from growing. And so we need to pray. We need to pray because we face spiritual opposition and we need the power. Often we forget that we are in a spiritual battle. We forget that we have enemies from the world, from our flesh, and from the devil. Those who will seek to harm us and hinder us in our Christian living. It's always interesting when someone gets baptized, people warn them that you may experience intense spiritual attack. It's interesting that on the morning of a particular powerful sermon, the preacher says his family were playing up. Mine were very well behaved this morning, so I don't know what that says about my sermon. (laughs) It's interesting that if the church tries to bid for a building in the local community, that these things suddenly become difficult. It's not a coincidence, but we face spiritual attacks. And we need to pray. But when we don't pray, that's when the pressure's on. That's when we begin to doubt. That's when we decide to give up. That's when our faith is weakened and we fail. The disciples had failed and it had affected the boy's father. Look down at verse 22. He'd come to Jesus because he believed that he could help. And now he's... Is he starting to doubt? Verse 22, if you, can, if you can do anything, take pity on us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible 
for the one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. The father had seen how big his obstacle was. He'd seen the power of the opposition. He'd seen the disciples failing and setting his son free. And so his, his faith faltered. It was there. He was mixed with unbelief. He'd focused on the problem rather than looking to the one who can provide the solution. And isn't that so easy for us to do too? We can fixate on the problems and the issues. We forget about Jesus. We worry and we struggle and we try and work in our own efforts. Or we doubt so we walk away and we forget to pray. I think for me when it comes to seeing the unbelievers that I know saved, often I fixate too much on the problem their objection, their opposition. They're never going to be saved. They're just too far away. I pray, my, my prayer is mixed with unbelief. I fail to trust in the one who has the power to overcome. And so, Morden Road Church visitors, as we live out our Christian lives, as we head into a new term, as we conduct Christian life as we face opposition, as we struggle with sin, as we try and heal broken relationships, how do we overcome the spiritual battles? We pray. And we pray to Jesus because he has the power to overcome. We pray because we can't do it by ourselves. We pray because we face spiritual battles. And we pray because Jesus has the power to overcome. Was it difficult for Jesus to cast out the demon? The end of verse 25, Jesus says, I command you, come out of him. Never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. Jesus said the word. The spirit obeyed. There was the boy lying as though he was dead. Some thought he was. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet. And he stood up. Healed. We're not told, but I can imagine that his speech probably returned to him. And he went away and continued on with his life. Jesus' power overcame the power of evil. And Jesus never fails to conquer evil. He never found it hard to drive out demons. He never found it hard to heal the sick. He even raised the dead. And for himself, even death could not hold him. He fought against the powers of death and he won. He won a victory. And as Paul tells us in Colossians, he disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. Here, Jesus at the cross defeats evil, defeats Satan, defeats sin for all of us. He has rescued us from the pit of sin, from hell. He's brought us 
from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light, into his son. He's forgiven us from sin, he's set us free, and he's welcomed us into his family. Jesus has overcome all opposition. And he can overcome all opposition that we face. Do you want to know how to do well in ministry? To see unbelievers converted? To see the church grow in maturity? To overcome sin in your life? Well, it's not through our own efforts. It's not through our strength. It's through trusting the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. Over the month of August, in preparation for these sermons, I thought, you know what, I'm going to record my, my prayers. I'm going to note down the things that I pray for, and particularly the things that I don't pray for, to see where I really trust God in my life. I'll note down the prayers God answered, and I can tell you of great encouragements of how God has answered prayer over the month. But I can also show you great areas of my life where I haven't prayed, where I have not trusted him. And it's shocking. I can give thanks. We can give thanks this month that we've seen God bring salvation to young children at summer camps. Healing from families in families with illness. He's provided jobs for the jobless he sustained Christians through deep depression. He solved impossible problems. And all because people have prayed. The disciples themselves, well, they too eventually learned their lesson, that the power of prayer is important. Acts is full of times when the disciples gather together to pray. They face opposition. They face difficulties. They face a task and what do they do? They pray. They see their great need for Jesus. I hope many of you over the summer have been reading side by side. I meant to have a copy of it in my hand. A book that we've been encouraged to read together that helps us to learn that we need one another. The big lesson of the book is that we need one another. We are needy people. And also that we need to be willing ourselves to help other people. And the book tells us that prayer is a great resource that we have to do that. And so let's pray as we walk together with one another, as we serve the church, as we witness in our community Let's pray. Let's be a church that comes to prayer as a first port of call and not as a last resort. When you pray, when you say you'll pray for somebody, why not do it right there and then rather than wait till later when you'll forget? Let's recognize the spiritual battles that we face, the enemy who wants to stop us and see the Savior that we have, the God who is Lord of all, who can, who has won the greatest victory, and who can help us overcome our deepest difficulties. When we live our life in our own strength, we will fail or we will just see meager results. 
But if we come in prayer, praying for one another, praying for our community, if we have faith in the power of Jesus to change the world, then who knows what he will do in our church this year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The power that raised him from the dead is free and available to us. Please help us recognize that we are weak and feeble, that our own efforts are rubbish, that as we live out our lives, as we do church ministry, as we bear witness for you in the world, as we fight temptation, Help us to see the spiritual battles that we face and to run to you in prayer, asking for your help. Thank you that you have given us this wonderful gift of prayer and you've given us the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit so that we can overcome. Please help us overcome this year. We long to see Morden Road Church grow, for all of us to become more like Christ for those that we know who don't know you to be saved. We long to see a positive resolution to the Irving building process. We long to plant more churches. We long to see your kingdom come. And we pray that you would help us. We need your help. Amen.